Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. We are very fortunate to have with us today... The director of a wonderful new film called Gook, and it's uh, been screening in various festivals, including here in Los Angeles for the Asian Pacific Film Festival, award-winning film, and uh, second feature film by the director, Justin Chan. And uh, the, let me give you a quick summation of what the film is about. Eli and Daniel, two Korean-American brothers who own a struggling women's shoe store, have an unlikely friendship with an 11-year-old by the name of Camilla. And on the first day of the 1992 L.A. riots, the trio must defend their store and contemplate the meaning of family and personal dreams and the future. And that is the summation in some very broad way, broadly speaking, this wonderful film uh, called Gook. And as I said, we're very lucky and honored to have with us today the director of the film and writer and executive producer, and that would be Justin Chan. Justin, welcome to Film School. Hey, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Well, congratulations on the opening of the film here in Los Angeles. Uh, on opens today, and um, uh-huh. <clears throat> tell me a little bit about the uh, sort of the genesis of the idea behind the film. Go. Um. Yeah. I mean, my parents, uh, my dad, uh, had a you know, had a athletic shoe warehouse in Paramount, California, and um, we got looted the last day of the riots on the fourth day, and, and um, you know, it's, so we you know, um, a very intimate relationship with that event, but um, yeah. I became an actor about 16 years ago, and, and uh, you know, through the years, I've auditioned for a few... L.A. Wright's films, and I never really thought that the Korean um, perspective was accurately or authentically really uh, portrayed. So, uh, you know, it being the 25th anniversary of the riots, I took it upon myself to, to tell a story from the Korean perspective. And you're, I, there's a fair amount of noise in the background. I, can, I, it's, I don't know if there's anything we can do. About that, but um, can you hear me? Yeah, you're going in and out. Okay, there you go. Is, it, is this better? Is this better? Yeah, that is better. This sound like you were, you know, it was a wind or something going on behind you or something. Yeah, yeah there we go. That's much better. Uh, so with that 20, 25 year anniversary coming up, the the writing related to the Rodney King decision, uh, you're absolutely right. I think. I mean, that, that's a. I, I can imagine that was something. It is something of a milestone, and it's something that, in the broad perspective of what happened during that period of time, uh, the Korean American community is often either left out or a footnote. But there's an awful lot, and it is. It comes out in your film. There's an awful lot of in the fabric of the community uh, in that area where the most of the writing occurred, uh, and. What was your, I guess, going back to those those days? What what was your reaction? What was your father's reaction to what happened in during that period of time? I mean, 
Do, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm trying to get to the from the point of view of, I mean, the obviously the immediacy of losing, uh, you know, having your business undermined, destroyed, or however. I don't exactly know the extent of the the uh, the destruction that occurred, but it sounds like it was devastating. But putting aside just the physical devastation, in sort of an emotional, psychological perspective, from yourself, and and also if you can count, comment on your father's reaction to all of that at the time. Yeah. Um for myself, I was, you know, when it happened, I was 11. So my sort of, uh, my sort of kind of thought process at that time wasn't really, you know, I wasn't an adult. So the way I processed it was as a child. Yeah. Um, and as a child, it was just immediate sort of uh, need and thoughts that revolved around, uh, you know, that man, I had to change schools or. If it meant I had to make new friends, that's the immediacy of the thought as an 11-year-old. Um, but it was just confusing, I mean, as a, as a kid, because you don't understand. You understand that it's, you know, Korean businesses are getting uh, destroyed because of the, the racial conflict at that time between uh, and um, Koreans. But um, you don't really process it in the same way. You just know that something bad is happening yeah as for my dad um he uh it's you know it's a it's like a asian intergenerational thing asian people don't talk about trauma really mm-hmm. i mean they just keep it in and there's no communication there's no family meeting that happens or dinner table discussion mm-hmm. it's just you just deal with it so mm-hmm. you know i mean mm-hmm. now korea is a country that that came from you know the came from war so their sort of mentality is okay let's what do we have to do next and they just deal with it yeah. my dad you know over the years when i tried to talk to him about it he just was very confused about why i wanted to revisit that event and didn't make sense to him you know um so uh you know but but you know doing research for this film and talking with him um his overall sort of his overall sort of uh, uh, kind of thoughts on the situation was we understand uh, at least him personally. I don't know about other other Korean folks, but he understood why it was happening and and what the anger was about. And yeah. but it wasn't like he got he was emotional about it. He was just very. Yeah, it's just something that happened and something that we had to live through. That's, yeah. that's basically it. Well, in writing the film, obviously a lot of, I would assume, a lot of uh, just uh, those feelings. Did you, in writing, did you consult with him? Did you show him early ver- versions of the script or was it something? And he's in the film, by the way. I want to remind, I mean, he's terrific. He plays a, the role of Mr. Kim, uh, a, a liquor store owner who was across the street from this business, this shoe business. Uh, was was there some input from him? Did you run it by him during the course of writing the script for uh, for Goop? No, I mean it's gotcha. still you know it's still a piece of art, yeah. and it's my interpretation of of the event. And you know, as you know, um, the LA riots is a backdrop. It's not yeah. you know it's not the the main focus of the film. The main focus of the film is the friendship between uh, you know Eli, this this, this Korean American store owner, and uh, an eleven year old uh, African American girl, Camilla. Um, it just, you know, the LA riots was the backdrop and it allowed for the tension and yeah. the, the social 
you know, kind of uh, situation to, to dictate how people interact with one another. But, um, but yeah, no, I, it was more, it was more like he told me information, like facts, mm-hmm. more of like things that were happening, mm-hmm. uh, and how, uh, Korean first generation, you know, immigrants were reacting and what in real time, what was happening and what was running through his mind. And, um, yeah. th- that sort of information in terms of me showing him the script or getting input from him, uh, there wasn't any of that. Yeah. Well, I want to congratulate you on, on the film as, as a, as a film and, and there's a, there's a cumulative power to your film. One of the things I appreciate it, it, there's some tonal changes in the film. It, at times, there's some funny. The characters are well-rounded. We see, we see the drama. We see the comedy. We see the the pathos for for all of these different characters, and the, a very what I felt was a very honest portrayal of all of the different um, actors and characters in the film. Um, we see the African American community. We see what the sort of the the what is going on in terms of the perception of this injustice that's been done and unleashing this this pent up anger that over the decision regarding the Rodney King trial uh, of the officers involved, and then we see the, this Korean American community who's who is going against stereotype in in a lot of ways in your film, uh, and your ability as an actor as well as a writer and a director to bring all of these different elements together, and as I said. As the film goes forward, it it feels like it's just picking up a lot of this energy and this this power. By the, by the time we get to the fi- finale in the film, um, it's very powerful. It's a very uh, moving experience to 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 be there at the end of this journey um, that you take uh, as Eli and as well as Daniel. So, um, what was it? Did you feel that in, in obviously in the script you felt like you had something going on in that regard, but did that in the production and the making of this film? What was your sense on the set as you're pulling all of these different elements together, and obviously in the editing process as well? Did it go? Well, as you, did it turn uh, out as you expected in the final product? Uh yeah. I mean, you know, um, it was a struggle. You know, this is an independent film, and money is always a huge sort of uh, roadblock. Uh, and barrier to entry to making an indie film. Um, so, you know, I don't think I was thinking about, oh, yeah, this is this is going to be uh, impactful or great. It was more about writing the truth and, you know, following, you know, the characters' uh, you know, emotional journey. That's, that's, you know, I was really focused on that. But I don't think I was thinking about really how, you know, like the overall, you know, it was just only so much I can manage while I'm shooting. So we're all doing like five jobs. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I mean, yeah, it was by design, and you know, a lot of people think we improv a lot in the film, but we didn't. I mean, most of that was scripted. It's just that we did like two, close to two months of rehearsal before we, we even stepped on set. So, um, you know, it was most about keeping everybody comfortable and natural. And there were some adjustments that need to be made made in the beginning because you know people's nerves and. Mm-hmm. You know, some people had never, in terms of the actors, never been on, like, a, a set. So it's more about getting them comfortable. But, um, you know, in terms of the editing, it was a process. But I had 
two editors editing uh, while we shot, so I can, you know, because I'm in the film, so I need to be able to see, like, if we're hitting all the marks. Um, so I would watch, you know, rough assemblies at the end of the day. Right. And um, by the time, you know, you know, we were, we were gunning for the Sundance deadline, so we, after the shoot, we had about a month, but I already had a rough cut. And, you know, even at the rough cut, it was like, yeah, it was exactly what, more or less or what I didn't envision, but, you know, that's, you, you know, the editing phase is the sort of the um, third phase of storytelling. So yeah. you go back in and you have to kind of throw away, like, you know, pre- preconceived, like, ideas and stuff, and you have to remold the film to let it be what it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, like, like um, filmmakers all know, like, you know, there's three sort of stages, you know, in the script phase, you envision it, and in the in the production phase, you, you re-sort of tool and, you know, let it go where it needs to, and then in the editing, uh, you do that again. So each phase, I just made sure that, I, you know, I let it breathe. I didn't, yeah. you know, I, I think the organic nature that you feel in the film is because I allow um, I allow for things to happen. I'm, I'm not like such a stickler about, you know, um, my sort of uh, vision that I can't allow for new life to be um, yeah. brought into the film. Yeah. Um, and uh, in terms of like the reception, you know, it's just very personal. So you're just pretty much putting your heart on uh, the table and, and allowing for people to touch it and, you know, hold it. And, um, so I think that's what you feel in the film. And I think that's maybe why people kind of, you know, why it resonates with people, because I think it's really honest and truthful. Um, but as in, in terms of structure, um, I love structure and I think, you know, it's the difference between like really art house films where you're just like, I don't know what I just watched. And, uh, more commercial films that, you know, and I think uh, structure is very important in terms uh, in and how it can move people because, you know, it's like dynamics of, of music. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I there are structural elements that I really, um, I really, that matter to me that, that uh, I really uh, focus on. Yeah, I, I I want to say that when I describe when I'm talking about the kind of this cumulative effect, it's your it's your it's your character that I really felt. The, there's sort of a, a psychological and physical uh, exhaustion that occurs, you know, as this film goes. You've, you're you're pouring everything you can into making sure keeping this business alive, keeping these relationships intact, uh, and the struggle. And I mean, you you you've, you're running around plugging holes all over. Uh, the place in this film in terms of trying to keep things afloat and at that sort of at the, by the time we get uh, to the finale it's that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the power of the film is your character has been carrying the weight of the world and then there's this I don't want to give anything away here but um, it, it 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 has a way of resolving uh, itself that uh, is again it, it's very moving um, I want to re- thank you. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Justin Chan, and he is the director, writer, producer, executive producer of the film Gook. It is opening here at uh, Los Angeles at the ArcLight Hollywood tonight, as well as the Regal LA Live Stadium uh, down in Los Angeles. Are you going to be at any Q and A's tonight? Yeah, um, I'm going to be at the five o'clock screening in in ArcLight Hollywood, and then I'll be at the seven forty five screening uh, at LA Live. LA Live. 
Uh, one other thing, and I just real quick is a kind of a comparison. We're sort of running out of time here. A comparison, people have compared this as to kind of a do the right thing film, and I, I yeah, I, I can see, I can understand that, that while that initial, while that would be something that people would point to, but there's another film that was about Los Angeles and very similar circumstances, working class family, The Killer of Sheep is what this reminds. Oh me. yeah, yeah, it reminds me of that film, because yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I've gotten that comparison um yeah number of times, and yeah, no, that's a wonderful film. Um, but the most direct comparison, you know, I understand to do the right thing, yeah. uh, comparison and, and, uh, you know, I'm flattered because I'm a fan of Spike Lee's, but, um, but, uh, you know, the mo- more direct comparison that's m- more accurate is, uh, probably La N. It's a French film from the early nineties. Okay. And, you know, it's also in black and white and it's about three multi-ethnic, uh, disenfranchised friends who kind of, you know, wander around, uh. Their suburb and into Paris, and it's also about a riot. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a boy has been beaten by the police, and they're waiting to hear if he's going to come out of a coma. Yeah. And to me, that was really a true inspiration for this film, um, because that also happens over a day, as does do the right thing. But um, and it was in black and white, and you know, I remember watching the end, the end, and just being blown away. And you know, the ending of that is, uh, you know, has a similar impact. I think that was more resolute. It was just not resolute, but it was more, I guess, shocked. I don't know. I don't know. It's more shocking and leaves you in leaves you in shock uh, when you walk out. I think mine, there was a little bit more resolution. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like that is where the, the, the bulk of the inspiration comes from. With that, with in the last seconds I have with you, I really want to point out the cinematography. Ante Cheng, am I saying that correct? Yeah, Auntie, Auntie Chang. Auntie yeah, Chang. he's a Taiwanese uh, cinematographer. Um, and, you know, I for behind the camera, I, I hired a completely diverse uh, crew, um, yeah. which was very important to me. And um, and Auntie was part of the, you know, I, I do a lot of experimental shorts, and he's somebody I met through through uh, one of the shorts I was in. And, and um, yeah, he's actually still a USC grad student. He has one semester left, and... Um, you know, it's a great look. I, yeah, and I, I think I think he did a wonderful job. And yeah. you know, um, when when we first did uh, the um, you know, he brought some comps, yeah. uh, which is stands for comparisons with other films. Um, he brought, he brought stills of Schindler's List, okay. and uh, okay. I told him I wanted black and white, and I told him my references, and I, I was completely shocked at first. I was like Schindler's List, you know that. Okay, but then, but then when he explained it, it totally made sense. You yeah. know, he wanted to shape the light and, yeah. you know, do hard lighting and use uh, use smoke, a fog to like, you know, accentuate the light and see, you know, the beams light and, you know, I think he did a really wonderful job and and uh, not to mention he's a, an amazing uh, camera operator, so he's really intuitive with how he moves around with the camera, right. um, which I love. I mean, that's you know, I. Well, and we, you know, yeah. No, I would, I would point out inside, outside, dark, day, night. All of those are elements in the film, and and they all they, there's a consistency of the look, and the, those are always things that I, you know I look for in a film, and uh, and he does that effa- very effectively, and uh, it, it everyone looks good in frame. Uh, it, it's 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 a very well shot film as well. So, congratulations, Justin. I wish we had a lot more time. I'm just unfortunately uh, out of time uh, for this edition. 
But all the best to you. Again, I want to point out uh, that the film is opening today here in Los Angeles at the Arclight Theater uh, here in Los Angeles, as well as the uh, L.A. Live downtown. And you're there at uh, Arclight for the uh, which screening? I you just told me and I forgot. Arclight, uh, five o'clock screening, and then um, um, L.A. Live, seven forty-five. Seven forty-five. Congratulations. Please come back. I know you, you have a lot more films in you, so I look forward to those and hope you find time to come back and join us on Film School. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.